Hey, welcome back to Toys on Tap. This week we have a fantastic artist vomiting droids. I cannot wait for you to get in on this interview. If you want more of Toys on Tap, don't forget to follow Toys on Tap on Instagram, on TikTok, and if you still want a little bit more of Toys on Tap, you can jump on that Patreon. We have more toy history coming up, more extra bonus episodes coming up, and we are still riding that interview train with all of the beautiful toy artists. So take a listen to this week's Toys on Tap. Can you hear me? Yeah. Hey, what's going on? Dude, I'm so stoked you're on. <laughs> I, uh, I tell people about your, uh, your Ewoks constantly, and so I'm stoked that you're on today. Excellent. Well, I'm glad this is, I think this is the first time I'm seeing you face-to-face since like 2000, but that's <sighs> pretty funny. Um, yeah. We did, there was that one night where I was grocery shopping, and it was you, and I think Hella Radical and Trash Can monster maybe yeah Uh, and we we what was so weird about that video and that whole journey is all of us were so stoked to be on it (laughs) and you were like if i remember correctly you were in your car talking to us and then you were like hey i I gotta go to the store and we (laughs) just all immediately were like yeah take us with you and then you stopped talking Oh, I, yeah, I, I think I just felt a little awkward, like at the grocery store, <laughs> just randomly. I don't know. I'm not one of those people who uses Bluetooth a lot and just talks to people yeah. randomly, like, you know, on, on my phone or whatever. Um, yeah, that was pretty funny. It was so good. And we, I just remember, because um, it wasn't content. It was mm-hmm. like if I jumped on someone's live and that's what they were doing. <laughs> and I just remembered after you had gotten off, the only conversation that we were having was, man, I hope he does it next week. <laughs> so it was, it, it was so stupid. It was so stupid. Uh, uh, but so fun, right? Like that's how we all started communicating and, 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 yeah. and kind of that, that like, at least for me, where the community started was around that time. So. Yeah. Cause that's yeah. the back end of 2020, right? Yeah, that was definitely fall 2020 because I remember it was cold. I had a jacket on. Um, that was around when I first started selling some pieces um, and really spending more time communicating with other people and really networking more with other makers. Yeah, and you do something. We're going to get to it. We're going to get to this whole thing. But please introduce yourself. Tell everyone who you are. Sure. Uh, I'm uh, vomiting droids, but everyone just called me vomit because so I'm, I'm, I'm stuck with it, which works for me. Um, and uh, I make some weird toys. Uh, <laughs> and are they weird? Yes, yes, yes. Um, we before we get to like current stuff, mm-hmm. um, you're older than me. I'm only 31. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I grew up in like the 90s heyday of toys, but you had like star wars like actual mm-hmm. star wars and yeah. so growing up with that kind of stuff did you what's influencing you and making you want to do toys now did you have all that when you were a kid 
Oh man, there's so many different directions for this question. Um, so just kid stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, Star Wars, He-Man, G.I. Joe, um, and Legos were probably the big four for me. Um, my dad had to travel a lot for work. And I don't know if it was, you know, the currency exchange or taxes or whatever, but he would come back with toys for me from other countries. Uh-huh. Um and Star Wars stuff, like, you know, he would go to Japan and come back with something Star Wars or go to Germany and come back with something. Um, I'm assuming it was probably because it was cheaper to get it that way than to just buy it in the States, maybe. Yeah. Um, and I wish I still had, you know, like packaging or boxes. Um, you know, the stuff I remember is the, um, oh, God, I'm so terrible with names. What were the snow vehicles in Empire Strikes Back that the Rebels, uh, this like the, you know, the speeders, they were kind of like, angular and flat and they're the ones that were attacking the ad ats i can't remember the names but like one of those came back or like the uh the cloud city vehicles the orange one where it's like you know two guys on either side yeah um squirt yeah like one of those came back at one point um i can't remember the name of that speed it's the one that took down the ad at yes yeah with like it shoots like the the the, the wire and wraps yeah. around the legs and they fall yeah whatever that was like stuff like that would show up um those yeah and i mean he-man is not something i love now it's i don't think it has stuck with me like i think there's nostalgia and love for it when i see it but it's not something that influences me at all yeah um but yeah i definitely grew up with star wars gi joe he-man Legos. those were the big ones What's crazy uh, is if he went to Japan and picked him up, original 1970s, whatever, 80s, mm-hmm. Star Wars, they're printed, they, they got that little thing that says Hong Kong on it. So mm-hmm. it probably was super cheap there. And, and then, all long gone now. No, yeah. like, you know, the, <laughs> yeah, long gone, especially the Star Wars stuff. The, um, just recently, I got a box from home that had a bunch of my Legos and a bunch of GI Joes that are all broken apart. I mean, they're like, they're taped up. Yeah. Some of my early medical work, you know, I was taking like um, a WD-40 and turning it into a blowtorch and setting them on fire. I did not treat these guys nicely. Um, uh, I was rough with them. And so there's, yeah, they're all just broken up, random parts here and there. Nothing you, really survived most of that. Yeah. Which not surprising, right? Like yeah. if you if you treated toys how toys were supposed to be treated, usually they don't make it. No. Right? Like I I used to just slam these things, do whatever. I, there is one figure I can remember. Um, I I just it was like you know when you see something and all of a sudden you get like a jolt of a memory and you're like oh mm-hmm. my god what happened? Um, there's a cable figure, early Toy Biz X Men. Um, for some reason, mine was loose and broken. So it was like the the sonic welding or whatever didn't hold. So it was yeah. like I was switching arms and doing whatever when I was little. Looking back, like what a cool idea. But then it was just like, what could I shove into this hole to make it look like he's got a crazy arm? <laughs> and so, I, yeah, I just remember nice. yeah, doing that stupid stuff. What's crazy, too, is if your dad was picking up all these things from different countries, mm-hmm. there is a very good possibility that you were getting actual bootlegs, right? Yeah, I have no idea. I mean, you know, I was so, yeah, so, I mean, this would have been Empire Strikes Back, which would have been, I would have been five. That was 83, okay. right? Um, so I was, I was five. I mean, my memory is more of the toys themselves than anything yeah. else. Um, 
So it's, it's possible. It's definitely entirely possible, but um, yeah. You are also one of the only toy makers that's been on the podcast that has talked about not only like action figures being your first toy, but Legos being a huge impact. Oh yeah. I mean, Legos were probably like of all of those. I think Legos were probably the long-term one. She had yeah. Joe's also lasted a while because those were fun and violent and had guns and everything. Yeah. Um, but like just long, like spanning early days to kind of whenever I started phasing out of toys for whatever, um, Legos were always there, just constructing stuff, uh, making ships. And it was a it was a wide range. I wasn't just a space guy. I do the knights, I do, you know, the normal stuff, whatever. Yeah. Which is crazy because, like, I think we forget so much of how old Lego is. Mm -hmm. And, like, I had the same things that you're talking about I had when I was a kid. And there's, like, 20 years between us. Yeah. And so it's it's crazy to think about all that stuff. So, obviously, you get rid of almost all your toys at some point. Mm Uh, or box them up because you get all those medical, medically like <laughs> enhanced <laughs> army people. Um, what, what, I mean, is it just growing up for you that makes you give up those toys? Um, oh, that's a tough question. I think so. I think it was just normal, you know, just normal growing up. I think, you know, there, there, there are definitely people who, toys have been a constant through their lives yeah um i think toys for me was more of a was not a constant like eventually it got to a point where you know i would say from like 13 14 15 on music like you know records cds whatever was kind of took over the the hole that the toys had filled for a long time yeah um and then probably 2006 2007 i discovered stuff like um the little key dolls the little key figures from like yeah. kid robot and stuff like that and there was um a little art gallery like an hour from my apartment uh and i'd drive down there because they had blind box stuff and i'd pick up a bunch of random blind box stuff um and then i think that closed i did some life happened again you know move a few years later, I moved to Chicago and then I find Rota Fuji. Um, and I start going there and buying toys. So it was kind of like, you know, toys were always there in a way, um, but not necessarily the primary part of my focus, you know? Yeah. Did you become a collector? I mean, going to like finding all those, I'm assuming some kind of vinyl toys mm-hmm. and then in Chicago, are you like starting to amass a collection at that point? No, I mean I'm not, I'm not actually a big collector. I think, and I've heard you talk about how you're not necessarily a big collector. You like some stuff, you get it, but it's not yeah. like you know that shit's kind of changed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, but I definitely. I mean, I I joke. I've joked that I collect people. Like mm-hmm. I collect pieces from you know makers that I like, um, and I like their pieces too. I'm not going to buy something that I don't like. Um, but there's definitely like people where I buy pieces from them because I respect their process or them so much. Um, and then there's pieces that I buy just cause I like it too. Um, but I mean, my collection fits in my workshop and, and pretty much doesn't go past that. Um, and it's, I mean, there's still stuff from, you know, 2007, 2006. Um, I mean, my prized piece, I have one of the, the David Cho, is that pronounced his last mm-hmm. name? Cho. Um, one of his blind box figures that he had. It's like the three-legged girl with the two heads. Oh, yeah. Um, which yeah, that was one of the early ones I got that I was like, this is awesome. What yeah. is this thing? <laughs> um, but yeah, not much of 
a, a mild collector. Yeah, which is probably a good way to phrase it, right? Like I, though I've started collecting, I think I'm in the same boat. Um, I collect things that really like trigger something emotionally in me or psychological, mm-hmm. um, or something like I I now have like five or six of your pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, I enjoy the, I think when it, you enjoy the artist, it's more enticing to buy the work, especially if yes. you like it, because I've seen some of these, um, collections that some of these people have, and it is like, it amasses walls and it's like, holy moly, what are we doing here? That's intense. Like you, you know what you're in for. Yeah. Um, mine is kind of split up, um, between, because my wife doesn't collect anything. She gives me shit constantly. <laughs> I when I first met her, um I didn't I wasn't making toys and um I used to say like I don't like things like sit-upons. I don't like tchotchkes. I don't want any mm-hmm. of that shit in my house. And now these however many years later, I'm the one that she's like, "Oh, what about your sit-upon, you fucking chump?" Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, and it comes in waves, right? Like, yeah. I used to have a, a pretty decent sized record collection. And then one day I was looking at it, I was like, I don't listen to a lot of these. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's time, you know, I thought about it in terms of they're just gathering dust and somebody out there is going to put this on the turntable and listen to it and enjoy it. And I think I cut my collection. I think I sold like three fourths of it. Yeah. Um, and really just kept things that either like had sentimental value or things that I was definitely going to listen to. And I mean, just the other day, I thought about a couple records. I was like, I wish I hadn't sold those. Yeah. But, you know, it's not the end of the world. I mean, I can I can hear those songs another way. It's fine. Um, and same with toys. I mean, you know, th- there's definitely toys in the collection that I look at. I'm like, it's time to pass these along or, yeah. you know, like I've slowly been sending out some, you know, we've got a bunch of Moldoramas around here. And I know people really like to get the Moldorama molds. Um, and so sometimes I'll just, you know, I've, I've had my time with them. It's time to send them to a new home and let someone else enjoy them. So, yeah, toys are weird, right? Like if, if we're being honest, everyone listening to this right now can, can listen very intently. Toys do nothing, mm-hmm. right? Like we get them, they sit on our shelves and like with records, at least you have a way of differentiating between what you want because you can listen to it and what you don't want toys they just sit on the shelf so it's like you're just building attachment but you don't get anything from it right i don't i might disagree i mean okay definitely like as adults it's definitely different right like as a kid you're experiencing play you're experiencing imagination and letting those things blossom as an adult they're definitely sitting there but there's also there's some there's there's joy but then as a maker there's also some inspiration like you know yeah. like I, I just i'm you know sometimes you know I'm, I'm letting something cure and i'm just looking at the wall and looking at pieces and and it's also there's also a different kind of nostalgia right it might be more recent nostalgia but you know thinking about especially because like i said like i'm collecting a lot of pieces from people i like so conversations that i've had with them or just the 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 there's so many people that i i've never met and possibly will never meet in person. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have this thing that I created that they created. And I've also spoken to them, which like you said earlier, like that you've got this extra special attachment to it because of yeah. that. Um, and I think that makes them special. Um, but they are also just sitting on a shelf gathering dust. Cause yeah. So it is, you know, it's a little both, I guess. I think about that. Um, 
with some of the toys that like, like I had one come in uh, today. Um, it's a um, Street Sharks bootleg. It's uh, under the company, I don't know, whatever company, but they're called Ocean Warriors. Little chonky, condensed little whatever kind of animals. Um, and I got it. And as I was looking at it today, I was like, man, this is like, I love this. This is great. Yeah. It, it kind of goes with the podcast, it, my love of bootlegs, all that stuff. And then this weird thought came to my head, like, why did you buy that? And I couldn't like, I don't know why that came to my head, but mm-hmm. I quickly answered it with like, oh, cause I like it. And that was mm-hmm. it. I like it. That's it. Yeah. So I, I don't know, but I'm, you brought up Moldorama and which I was just looking that up yesterday because mm-hmm. I was interested. There's only, um, so there's only like three States that have them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, it's been passed off to whatever company at this point that owns it. And I've been wanting to like figure out how to like, there's gotta be a way to put custom molds in those and then get those somewhere. Yeah. So actually, um, Rota Fuji, when I first got here within the first couple of years, so that would have been like 2011 to 2013, somewhere in there, they did a custom, uh, Moldorama machine and yes. the name of the maker is going to escape me. Yeah. I'm not going to remember who it is. Um, but it's this it's a really cool piece. And unfortunately mine was one, I think one of the last ones when the machine was kind of dying. Cause I guess they're, they break a lot there and they have to get main, um, a lot of maintenance work on them. Um, and so like the face on mine is super thin and kind of like, you know, most of it is like a thick, nice, you know, plastic or whatever. Um, but the face is really thin. I mean, if I touched it with my pinky delicately, it'd probably flake right off or something. Yeah. Um, but it's still, it's one of my favorites just because it's, yeah, it's the only one that I know that's custom and I'm sure there's others. Um, there was, there's a really cool account on Instagram that just documents. We interrupted this broadcast of toys on top to bring you this. Meanwhile, in a galaxy of bootleg treasures. DOV2, we have engine failure. We must crash land on DKE toy planet. Oh my, we're doomed. Wait, salvation. Hooray. We're saved in DLP2. Limited edition custom artist made action figures and DKE toys. Check out www.dkatoys.com for a full catalog. Hooray for custom action figures. DKE. And I think it's all Motoramas they have, and it's an insane collection. Different yeah. colors of the same stuff. And the machines are awesome. I mean, if you ever get the chance to go find one and do it, like they come out of the machine. They're so nice and warm and they have this incredible plastic smell. That's just like, there's such a, a sensory experience in pulling yeah. out of the machine. It's really wonderful. That smell might be cancer. It probably is. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, and, and I'm a creepo. Like I'm walking around with my wife at the zoo or something. And I just yeah. have this toy up to my face, like sniffing it <laughs> with a weirdo, like oh, the smell feel how warm it is but yeah uh, yeah they're awesome i yeah i was thinking about that because it's just realistically it's just an injection molder right just a mm-hmm. low-fi version of that mm-hmm. um i just wonder why there's none there's a map that you can find online of like where they actually are mm-hmm. and the entire u.s is dark except like two states it's cool i think it's i think florida I want to say Michigan and definitely Illinois. Illinois has a ton, but Florida, yeah. I've seen a bunch pop up in Florida. Okay. So hopefully they're building those things out again. Um, how did you, so you get, you, you're starting to uh, amass this like small collection. 
um, and somehow like wrote a like that whole era of vinyl and that like early years of that kind of stuff doesn't really transfer well into the kind of scene that you you find yourself in now. So somehow you kind of make that little bit of a jump and you start noticing that. What's that like? Um, I mean, to be honest, that the it was sudden. It wasn't, there was no kind of from Proto Fuji. It was just like, you know, like I went there a few times, I bought stuff. Um, I don't remember, it's chicken or the egg. I don't remember if I discovered Steady Craftsman or I discovered bootlegs first. Okay. Um, one led to the other, essentially. Yeah. Um, I think it was probably just randomly stumbling on some stuff on Instagram being like, oh, these are cool. And somehow that led down to a rabbit hole to seeing a video of um, Steady Craftsman making a toy and just watching him do it and thinking, that looks really easy. Like, mm. you know, he was basically just doing the port. It wasn't the sculpting or anything like that. He already had a figure made. It was the, was it like a space rabbit or something? Mm. Um, and he was just basically doing the port. And I was like, this looks kind of fun. And then in kind of continuing to look into stuff and playing around, I discovered a smooth on store, like 20, 30 minutes from me. And I was like, oh, this is really easy now. And this is beginning COVID. This is early 2000, mm -hmm. um, like May 2000. And so, you know, not much happening. So I went to the store. I think I ordered online or I called and didn't order over the phone for a trial kit, went down, um, picked it up at the front door, brought it home um, and did a layup and, totally fucked it up. Yep. Uh, did, yep. Did not do vents on the hands and just came up with this layer that had no hands and, and constantly had a hole in the chin. Um, and so that, I mean, and so at the same time that's happening, I'm also starting to follow more people. Um, you know, Tiddy Bean is one of my, someone I'm pretty close to and talk to a lot. And I was flipping back through, you know, save posts on Instagram and found that like one of my first posts I saved a bootleg toy was one of his. Mm. Um, and you know, I think there was some like Pamro toys, maybe some Pendragon back then too. And just seeing this stuff and it's really cool. And it's kind of like the childhood toys that we never had, right? You know, like new stuff that I'd never seen before. And so both of those things are just happening at the same time. It just kind of all fell in my lap at once. Yeah. I um, And it's cool because you were one of the COVID makers. Mm -hmm. um, you're in that with me and we started and... um we've gotten already to this point where some of the ones that started with us no longer mm -hmm. make, yeah, which is sad, right? It's only been this mm -hmm. many years. Um, but I think I want to say, I know the date that I saw the Leia. I think it was like June 19th, 2020. I think yeah, it was I mean, something great. Like I, that's how like ingrained in my head it was. <laughs> and I, so, but you did something crazy. Mm -hmm. You made that figure. And generally people like throw that in like a miscast. I throw them away, um, which good or bad, I don't know. But you decided to make stuff out of them. Um, I definitely, I am so thankful I fucked up. Because uh -huh. I think in my head, you know, it's 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 my sliding doors moment, right? Yeah. Like I could be Gwyneth Paltrow getting on that train or <laughs> Gwyneth Paltrow going back, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Luckily, I fucked up, and I just sat there. Because if I fucked up, I would have just been like, "Okay, I made a layup." All right, yeah. and and maybe I made a few more. I gave them to friends, and I was done. Right. Um, but instead, I've got this thing with no hands, but I've got all this resin to use. Um, and so I just started in my head thinking, like, "Well, what else can I do with it?" Um, you know, I think I cut off some. I cut off some hands from. I can't remember what. 
and started putting those on. I did the, I think I did the, the droid, the, the droid, the medical droid around that time. Um, was putting that head on her. I cast like these crappy, this crappy dinosaur head. Uh, a friend of mine has a piece where there's like dinosaur heads coming up on either side, like moving mm. over her shoulders, um, just playing with the resin, you know, and then I'm not measuring shit. I still don't measure shit because I'm an idiot. Um, and so I've always got leftover resin. And then you just start playing with that because you're watching it cure and you're seeing it and observing it. And it's kind of fun. You feel the heat from it. And so then I just started like, well, I've got this crappy layer. Let's pour the resin on its head and see what happens. Um, and just really just experimenting with it and and playing with it and trying to come up with something instead of this piece that doesn't have hands trying to make something cool out of it uh and eventually right. got to a point like i had you know i don't know 10 15 i think that i'd done when i finally ran out of resin and then i just made crappy headers because i was like that's the next thing you do as a toy maker you, you start designing <laughs> the card backs and the headers and so i yeah. just named it the, the layug put crappy cardboard headers on with poorly drawn pictures of leia and and that was it. And they went pretty quickly, right? Um, I never, I never did a drop for those. Um, it was just random people reaching out. Um, my first sale was to Nekosatsu Toys. Mm, yeah. Um, and I'll never forget because I mean I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm like, oh, okay, you want to buy something that's amazing. Um, at that point, my pricing structure was pay what you want because I have I have no idea how to value this at this yeah. point. And so. Um, I sent them some pieces and I said, pay what you want. They said, okay, I'll send you 40 bucks. And then eventually like, you know, 40 bucks for two pieces came back. And I was like, oh my gosh, I just sold things I made. Um, and then just more people kind of trickled in buying some stuff. It was probably like a, some pieces just went to friends. Um, I think I want to, I want to say I sold about five to seven legs. Okay. I think what interests me, you, you describe it really well and what interests me most about your work um is the fun aspect and i I, let me quantify it this way i I have fun making toys i do uh i don't ever want to come off as though i don't have fun it's fucking irritating sometimes and i i i burn through some shit um but i do have fun but you it seems like you make it like kinetic fun. Like you're, you're pouring weird resin on things, heads. You're like some of the casts that are, are, are create Like you got heads inside of heads because you're working with things that haven't fully cured yet. I'm assuming. And it's just, you're experimenting and you've created your own style and like no one else does. And so it, I'm always enticed by whenever you do a drop, I'm just enticed by it. <laughs> I think, how do I answer this? Um, it's definitely fun. It is also, it is a pain in the ass. Like yeah. doing the, the, the split fets are, I think crumbs called me a masochist and the toy and the, and my contraptions for making the toys are torture devices, essentially. Like, I mean, the split fets are, you know, like I'm, I'm doing pours in the middle of those and I'm constantly adjusting and moving them around to keep the resin where I want it to be um, while it's curing. So if it's like a five minute cure, it's great. Cause it, it, it very quickly moves to a point where I don't need to be adjusting it. Yeah. But when I'm doing like, like uh smooth on 45 D for the translucent ones, um, those that's like a half hour cure. Mm-hmm. And so it's like a good, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes till it gets to a point where I'm comfortable putting it down. And even then it's still like seeping a little bit. So it's, 
it definitely started off at a point where it was fun. Like, yeah, look what I'm doing. Um, but it's progressed to a point where now I know enough about it that it is as much work as that it's fun. Um, you know, I, there are times when I really enjoy making a split fet and there are times when I really dread going down to do it because it is literally just a very stressful, like in the moment, anxiety provoking creation. Like, am I, am I, pouring too soon has the resin yeah. cured enough to be able to do what i want to do or you know like is it should i go now no now no now now no <laughs> no no now now do it um and and even then i'm still doing it too early so yeah there's there's elements of fun but it's the processes I'm getting into now are more stressful. The molds I'm making aren't just like putting a figure in a cup, like the split fat. I'm insane. And I'm doing molds for each half of the split fat. And so then it's creating the contraption to hold that fat. So I'm just molding half. Of it. Um, yeah. And uh, like, okay. Ewoks to some have like, were the worst thing that star Wars did mm -hmm. for me they're the most fun things I've ever seen in my life because they're just <laughs> stupid looking. Um, and then, so it, whenever someone makes an Ewok, any kind of figure, I'm always enticed by it. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember seeing you, you were doing that and you were putting, man, the one, I think I have one that has the medical droid, mm -hmm. like its face in there. And then I have another one that it's a uh, Leia face maybe. Mm -hmm. um and i just bought one today uh what is on its face uh oh that so that one um yeah what's on its face is just resin that's literally so oh, great let's let's talk about insane pores yeah so the one you're getting is essentially like one there's the pore for the ig88 head which is yeah. in the arm to make the blaster arm uh putting that inside the mold then doing the pore of the actual bear itself uh, then on top of that, I did the pour of the black around the head with like the stripping going around Yep. Then carving a hole inside that and into the Ewok's face and doing, I believe the next layer was the green. So if you put this under ultraviolet, it's my favorite ultraviolet piece I've ever done. Cause then you've got this green kind of goopy layer coming down. And then inside that I did the pink translucent resin where I'm holding that upside down and kind of like using a toothpick in there to try and drag out beads of it to kind of create, like it's this thing exploding from the face. Mm. So, you know, that's how many different pores is that? And Yeah. Holy hell. And, um, and you're doing this and selling them for insanely cheap, right? Like <laughs> I, 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 cause my push, my notifications are on when you post, I get dinged immediately because I missed too many of them. And so I learned so quickly. Um, but you still sell them so cheap. Mm -hmm. And so I'm I'm interested in like what what are you valuing here? Is this like fun, artistic, creative? Mm. Like what do you what's the value? Is it just for you? Um gosh, good question. So I will say there's an element of it. I look at, I look, I see so many great pieces out there and this is, this is not a judgment on the prices anyone is setting on their pieces. Everyone can set their own prices. Um, I am someone who sees a lot of prices and I, I back away from it. Like I'm not someone who is going to spend a lot on a toy. And I also think a lot about 
people who who see these amazing pieces and maybe can't afford them, right? Um, and I like the idea of being able to sell some pieces that are maybe more affordable for some people, right? I like being able to make really cool things at a lower price point. And that's probably to my detriment in many ways. Um, and in some ways, I'm also taking steps now to probably increase prices. Um, like part of today's sale was kind of starting to move away from the most recent waves of stuff I've created. Um, I'm going to have a pressure pot in the next couple weeks. Mm -hmm. And so it's going to, that's, you know, the, the split fets that I sold um, are probably going to, you know, future split fets will be more expensive. Um, part of it is also looking at, you know, like I haven't used a pressure pot up to this point. And my process is such a weird process that it creates a lot of imperfections in my pieces. I think I personally judge that a lot in ways that I shouldn't. Mm. Um, and so I think part of that also restraints my prices. Like when you get the split fet, you'll see on the side, there's a lot of kind of bubbles because I didn't use a pressure pot on the mold. So all these bubbles kind of got up and got on that side. Yeah. Um, I think when there are more clean split fets, I would definitely consider raising the prices on those more because they are more labor intensive. They, they do take a lot more to make. Um, but I think I'm always going to have some kind of pieces that are lower priced for people who maybe, you know, can't afford a $40 piece with $30 shipping, you know, from Europe um, or something like that, you know? Yeah. Which I, I respect a lot. I think with figures, like even in my own head, um, I've talked to Dove and he has like, when I create with him, he's like, Oh, you got to raise that up a little bit. You're going to make mm -hmm. nothing. I, I have mm -hmm. to, so I'm having that kind of conversation. So it's good to hear that from you as well. And I think here are some of the things that I think about regularly. I picked up a barnyard commandos at an antique shop um, yesterday or the day before and like fully packaged. And on the bottom of it, it's a two ninety nine from Toys R Us in 1989. Uh, my, and my brain went down a rabbit whole right so in 1989 uh 2.99 now a dollar then now is two dollars and 40 cents so at most we're talking six bucks that figure would be on the shelves now if we accounted for inflation but i have to then create paint do all these things and i'm charging 30 40 dollars no artist team working on my backers, mm -hmm. no artist team working on. And so I'm trying to think about like, how do I do these things? How do I map this out? And I, it's a constant tension when I find old toys in these and what I sell mine for. Yeah. Um, and it's hard. It's, it's hard to put a value on it. Um, and even, even the Giallo bear drop that I just did. I mean, that was the first time that I really, that that was, even though it doesn't look like it, that was probably the highest price drop I've done because the last time I did anything at that price, I packaged them as two. It was like mutant bear. So the big one and a small one or something. Um, it is, it's very hard to put a value on it because you also, right, if you're selling pieces, it's not just what value do I want to put on it? What do I, what, sorry, what value do I think it is? But also what value do I think it's going to sell at? Um, mm. I personally, I don't, I don't want to put my pieces on sale. I want my pieces to sell for the value that I set them at. 
Um, and I make so few that I think that's easy to do. I don't have surplus at the end of the day that I need to worry about like, well, how am I gonna get these out? I should knock off $5, $10, whatever. Um, there's also a sense of pride in, you know, that, and I'm so thankful for this. Every time I've put up pieces, they've sold out. Mm -hmm. um, like people like what I make. That's such a weird concept. Yeah. And I also have to put a value on it and I want them to buy it. And balancing all these things is is tricky. And we're also in a time now where you can, you know, inflation is higher. People, wallets are tighter. Um, I don't have evidence of this at all. It's just a gut <laughs> reaction. I feel like more expensive pieces aren't selling as fast. Right. Um I think, you know, people are, I don't know that people are necessarily buying cheaper pieces that much more or anything, but I do feel like wallets are getting tighter. And so, you know, I want to be mindful of the things I'm putting out. I don't want things sitting around unless I want to keep them. I want things to get into hands. Right. And I, I think um, you're kind of hitting the nail on the head. Like in, for me, at least um, I value people holding and getting my pieces more than I value getting money. Mm -hmm. um, which is, uh, I mean, from an economic standpoint, that is a dumb fucking way. Oh, oh it's 100% dumb. Right. But I'm also, you know, there's also different kinds of us, right? Like there's people right. who want this to be their business. Like if, if they could just make toys for a living, they 100% would do it. And that's what they're working so hard for. Yeah. Um, I'm lucky to work a normal job that I really enjoy and I can do this on the side. So, and I also just don't have the time to try and pump it up. I mean, I'd have to leave my job or take a, a part-time job or something like that, which I just, you know, in life I can't do. So I'm kind of where I'm at and, and it's easier for me to say, to, to, to take a loss on things at this point, I guess, um, and be happy that people are getting my stuff. I don't have to worry about making that back. I want to make my money back. I want to not lose money. And I'm trying to figure out better ways to do that in the future and see what happens. Yeah. I think too, with your work, you have created, I mean, you, you did it smart. Like uh, I think when I first started creating, I wanted to produce whatever I could and throw it out there. Cause I thought that there was, some kind of weight in getting a sale. And so I was like chasing that. Mm -hmm. um, but the way that it seems like you're producing is in these smaller batches of things that you are like enjoying doing. Mm -hmm. And I did not enjoy my first couple pieces. I didn't, I didn't like doing like looking on this side. Like I made a um, one called the McCarbonite the Ronald McDonald stuck in carbonite on this side of it. I wish I could redo it because the way that I did it and how I was doing it, I was struggling through it. I found no joy. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, yeah, I think about that kind of stuff a lot. Like I, it, like artists like you, you guys didn't you started out doing what you wanted to do, which is incredible. And I think that's what attracts us to your art. And it also, I mean, I also, because of the fact that I'm not, trying to make this a full-time job. Yeah. It also gives me the ability to, to just take a break. I mean, every time I do a drop, my creative process after that drop is just dead. Like I just don't want to do anything. I find selling pieces to be in a very anxiety provoking part of the process for me. Yeah. And I, I'm not really, you know, I like selling, I like getting them in people's hands, but the 
the the the getting the money, shipping things, the anxiety of making sure people are happy about it um, is not enjoyable for me. And so at the end of that, I'm like, I'm done for like however long. And so right now I'm just kind of in my head thinking about stuff um, and slowly making steps to to start the next round. Yeah. And you, you do this thing that I'm very, I'm always shocked at because um, you dropped Ewoks. When I first bought from you, you dropped Ewoks. And I remember there was this little thing at the bottom of your post that said like one per person. Mm-hmm. And I, that was so weird to me because it's like, I want to come in and just gone, but it, it gets your art to more people. And I think it's, I mean, it's just nice at that, right? Not well, everyone I mean, can do that. I feel like there's no good way for me to sell pieces, right? Like yeah. you do a claim drop on Instagram and it's people just, you know, fighting to get that one spot. Like, Oh, I want a, and I missed a, but in the time I'm trying to pick something else, somebody else has, cl- you know, claimed the next one. Right. And, um, but I don't make enough to manage a store and maintain a store. Um, you know, I liked doing the Jalo bears as a blind box where, you know, you didn't have to claim a specific number. You just, did claim and got whichever you got. Um, and I'll probably do that a little more in the future. I've thought about like, what if I did a random wheel? What if it was like a lottery process? You put your name in and the first five people get to, you know, buy a piece. I don't, there isn't a good way to do it. Yeah. Um, and so the, the, one of the best, so limiting at least allows more people, like you said, to try and, and get a piece. Um, and there's people out there who have a lot of my pieces and that's awesome. And there's people out there who have one of my pieces and that's awesome. Um, and trying to, and I don't, and and the demand is there, but it's not huge. It's not overwhelming. You know, one thing that I have not done and I'm going to start doing more of is like my numbers on Instagram are pretty low when I look at like what other people who started around me mm-hmm. are at. And part of that is I don't, I'm not a good brander and I don't do a lot of tags. I don't do shows. I haven't put my name out there a lot. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of been a lot of self-growth, which is also limiting in my audience too. Yeah. Um, so, and I'm not sure that, you know, if I grow more, I still don't make that many pieces. Right. I want a bigger audience, but I don't make that many pieces. And so, yeah, trying to find think, some kind of balance there. Yeah. And I what, what's, I mean, the good thing about it is, right, like yours is all organic, that growth, and which is incredible. Um, I, I, like I can't tell you, like going and doing shows and being a part of those things. Yeah, you like I, I may get however many followers from that, but how many of them are active is really the mm-hmm. hard part that I struggle with too. Um, but man branding your your figures it's going to be the best when you start doing that and you're in this crazy thing where it's like if you start pressing into that and still don't like up your production that's when prices start to like skyrocket yeah um and i mean branding is so funny right like you know when I did the layers, I was like, well, I should make an Instagram just to kind of share this stuff because yeah. <laughs> my friends and family aren't really going to be that into it. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I chose vomiting droids. And now two years later, uh, here's vomit. What's up? And everybody calls me vomit. And I'm yeah. stuck with it, which is fine with me. I think it's great. I love the name. Um, but I also, even that, like, 
you know, um, bootleg sewer mutant did the sticker of the mouse droid for me. And he's like, where do you want your name on it? I was like, I don't want my name on it. Um, and then I, you know, paid somebody to do a black metal version of a sticker. And I was like, make it as unreadable as possible. Like I, there is this part of me that's so anti-branding and anti-wanting to advertise and do yeah. the normal things that I should want to do to, to grow. And there's a, there's a lot of internal struggles in this head. Mm -hmm. um, constantly battling what I should do, what I want to do, what's good, what's bad. And I don't really know the answers to any of those either. So, yeah. And I think, um, what the, like, which that kind of branding and the toys all together, you as a per, like even the message you sent me, like as a, as a side note, just so everyone knows the, your humor, <laughs> uh, I sent you the message of like, hey, we're recording whatever the normal spiel is, and we're talking about it. And I get this fucking message back that's like, these are the topics that I will not talk about. If you do, I will terminate immediately. <laughs> and I'm like reading through these. And so, I, but I saw the top message, right? That pops up first. And I was like, damn it. Like, there's, I really got to watch what I say because I didn't read the rest of it at first. And then uh, I start reading it and I'm reading it out loud to my wife. And she's like, what the hell is Iran Contra? Like, what is? <laughs> and then you have this one thing where it's like my favorite one. It's like April 4th, 1912, April 13th, 19. <laughs> uh, yeah, I believe that I will discuss them. I believe that's the sinking of the Titanic. One of those is the death of Kurt Cobain. I can't remember what the other one was. Yeah. I, it was just the funniest thing ever. And then being able to play right back into that and be like, you're not giving me much to talk about. <laughs> and you just sent back like, okay, now I can talk about Iran Contra. Like, that's fine. I mean, you got to have fun. And I think there's something about making people laugh. And you know, there is something about the, this goes into a weird side tangent, which is that like vomit is, and vomiting droids are kind of my secret identity, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, my followers, maybe five, seven of them are people I actually know in real life. Mm -hmm. Like I, I share occasional toys on my personal one, but not often. Um, and so it's kind of fun creating this identity of like, you know, I'm, I actually think in some ways vomiting droids is, and, and vomit are, are kind of me just letting everything out that I can't in normal society because people yeah. look at me insane and think i'm a madman which i probably am um uh you know probably in december um i'll be putting out you know my fan club package uh which will be the vomiting droids membership card the button pack uh and then i'm working on um a zine that goes with it that has yeah. a, a vomiting droids mad libs a page from the vomiting droids <laughs> choose your own adventure book um uh uh print out of someone playing the vomiting droids text adventure game so it's yeah yeah I just, you know things that make people laugh things that are weird things that are fun it's all part of the package and you like all of that together speaks volumes of i think that like the 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 desire to not have a brand right and to be to have those stickers that are unreadable and your name not on them and um, the way that you make toys and the messages you send us when you're when we're getting stuff going, even to the point of where 
you're like just shopping and we're watching you like so much about you as a brand is it is its brand and i i love it's like fighting against something and it it's like the most punk rock version of what we do Thursday night, 7 p.m. YouTube Live, it's Toys Alive! Toys Alive! Toys Alive! Toys Alive! There's way cool artist unboxing. No Accounts under a thousand followers. What? Art out there for 30 bucks or less. Radical. Collector spotlight. Ooh, collectors. Current and upcoming shows and drops. Right. Giveaways. Right. Short chats with artists. News from the hood. 100% indie all the time. That's Toys Live. Thursday nights, 7 p.m. PST, YouTube Live. <laughs> and it, it's so funny to, to see that. I think today was interesting because I got pinged for your post. And it was the first time I think I'd ever seen um, there's no claim limits. Mm-hmm. And so it was like, oh, like I, I claimed one and I saw that and I was like, well, also this one. <laughs> I And, and I, I, I feel bad about it, but then also like I don't. Because no, I mean, don't feel bad. I think part yeah. of that, part of it is also like, you know, this was a surprise drop, right? Like just yeah. me testing the waters of different ways to do this. Like I didn't announce this one. Right. Um, you know, the, the most I did was I sent the photo of me in the basement at my fake table to somebody and said, you know, this is, I'm going to put out this picture on Monday, but I told nobody there would be a drop. And um, yeah, just, you know, just thinking in my head of different ways to do this. Like, why shouldn't I do a drop at like 3 a.m. my time? Who's awake for that and going to see it? Or who's going to wake up and be like, oh, fuck, I'm bleary-eyed, but I'm going to claim something. Like, yeah. just, it's all just me trying to figure out what's the best way to do something. Or maybe the best way is just to not have a way and just try everything. The designer con in your basement is the funniest thing I've seen in a while. Because it you had a table... <laughs> and you had shit on the table and you were sitting there next to it and it was just like and the, there was i don't know what ha- everyone just plays into your damn humor too and they're like oh where's those totino's pizza rolls where like i think yeah it's you know laughter laughter's fun it brings yeah. i don't know it brings people together and it's just fun to see and i think a sense of fun goes with toys right like i just I can't be serious. I can try to be serious. And when I try to be serious, that's when I'm writing shit like the acid mother's coming for you. The dark rains are falling. Like my seriousness is just absurd science fiction. So, yeah. So with how you create and what you've been creating and then um, even with like now buying a um, pressure pot and um the drop today and how it's stepping away from stuff like where where is vomiting droids as a brand or as a toy maker headed um same stuff as far as toys i mean okay. i i want to i've thought a lot about doing shows i continue to think about doing shows the problem is i'm at the whims of my creative ideas right um earth to kentucky did a david lynch show earlier this year and I was going to try and send a piece to that and I had the idea I even did um, a proof of concept for like what I was going to do where I did the things with the mold that I wanted to do um, but there's also this thing that I battle where I don't like to do something another like I've done it I don't want to do it again mm-hmm. which is a terrible thing for a toy maker because runs are like what we survive on right and so I never ended up doing it because then I got sucked into other things um, you know right now my goal 
is did you see the split fet that I did with um, Barrio Boba, where it's uh, his Keshi inside my split fet? And I really want to get him a run of those um, so he can package them up and we can sell those. Um, and that's probably, in theory, the first thing I'm going to do when I get a pressure pot. But then that pressure pot's going to show up. I know it. And I'm going to have some other stupid idea or crazy idea that I'm going to try. And it's going to just suck me down another rabbit hole. Um, I really want to collaborate with people. but. I struggle with the discipline to be able to do what I need to do to collaborate because my own creative whims are just like, no, you want to do this now. This, this is appealing. No, do this. Um, I'm starting to redo, not redo, but revisit the original Leia um, bears with the Leia inside the, the Metroid inside the Ewok. Mm -hmm. um, I really want to do some more of those, but also again, it's a challenge because I did it. Um, what's next? I want to do something else, but I also want to make those things and get more of them into people's hands that actually want them. So again, more, more internal battles, it's just me battling my creative self. Yeah. Does that, I mean, now that you're moving forward and you're, it's like from an outside perspective, it looks like you are throwing resin at things sometimes. Like you, mm -hmm. you got like when you. I have one of your figures where you wrapped resin around the head, mm -hmm. um, and now you are having clean cast and then wrapping the heads in resin still. Mm -hmm. um, and so, with all that kind of stuff and branding and thinking about pricing and all that stuff, how does that change how you want to brand? I don't know that it will. I think okay. I just. I think I'm, I think it's just always going to be a battle. It's always going to be a struggle. I mean, and I look at. I mean, the the, the I look at the things that influence me and what I do, and it's people who never compromise themselves. It's it's musicians who never compromised what they do, or artists who just you know follow what they should do, and I think the end result is that the pieces I make will always be the most important thing, right? That's that's why I do it. That's what I do. That's where the fun is, even when it's not fun. And so there are ideas of branding and of doing things like the, like the membership card and the buttons that are all part of, I mean, it's all fucking nostalgia, man. You know mm -hmm. why I'm making buttons? Because I never got to be in a punk band and sell buttons on the merch table. <laughs> so now... I have a toy brand, so yeah. I'm making buttons and selling them as a toy maker. You know, yeah. I'm I'm talking with um, one of my favorite people about possibly doing like a very limited run of hats. Why not make a vomiting droids hat, right? Like, yeah. who, you know? And so it's, I think it's dabbling in these ideas of branding and what that means, or ideas of. of but at the end of the day, it's just going to be the shit that makes me laugh and and that I have fun with, and. And that'll probably limit me in ways, mm -hmm. um, but that's fine with me because I'm having fun. I, I think the you know where it ends is the point where I'm making things and I'm not enjoying it. Um, yeah, where where I'm being driven more by the sales than the art. That's where it ends. Yeah, which is um, man, you can. There is a trajectory that people get on. And the second that they start getting driven by sales, that it's like a mountain. They shoot straight down, it looks like. And not to say that it's still not good work or not to say anything about people, but your motivations change your art. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's 
crazy. Man. Yeah, and and I and and I think there's there's some underlying commentary in there about creators and their customers too. And I never want to be the guy where my customers pissed off at me because I you know didn't get them a piece on time or yeah. that my piece broke and I'm not refunding them on money or something like that. Like you know the goal amongst all this besides creating stuff is also I hope people are happy at the end of the day with what they have mm -hmm. um I don't want to send something out that is garbage and someone is like oh no this is actual garbage right like I'm sure there are people out there who look at what I do and see me just stringing resin around stuff and doing weird shit and they're like what the fuck is this man this is not <laughs> a cool toy this is just fucked up um and I can respect that opinion I think you know they didn't see the pieces that I haven't sold which literally are just fucked up pieces that shit's dribbled on it's pushing past that to like at what point at what point is me doing that becoming art versus me doing that becoming trash mm -hmm. and i definitely have trash pieces and i'm not going to put a piece out there that i think is trash like if i'm doing this you know like there's a fet you might see it and if you scroll back a split fet where i was just wrapping stuff around i hate that piece um, it does not look cool. It doesn't look fun, I, you know, and, and I'll still play with it. I'll still play with it. And maybe I can push it to a point where it's mm -hmm. interesting and I want to sell it, but it's not there right now. So I use your pieces and I, um, I mean, I full disclosure, I know it's not you, but mm -hmm. I use them and I will build commentaries off of them. Cause like your, your toys, if we wanted to get meta or something about these toys or philosophical, like it speaks to the reality of like how we erode away culture or like mm -hmm. what Disney has done to Star Wars or like different mm -hmm. things like that. And um, so often uh, like I'm first, this is the first time I'm creating a passion project of my own, but so many of my toys in the past have been like, well, I think this will work and mm -hmm. I just go with it. But yours seem to have this underlining like, wow and it's uh, more enticing um if you want to get real deep into the creative part of it here we go i would um so the there's a lot of influences right like i grew up looking at a lot of art i'm a very visual person so like surrealism and dolly and that kind of stuff that's definitely there um but the the biggest influence on the actual act of creation and the result of it is probably music i probably spent 20 years trying to be a musician and I'm not a musician. Mm -hmm. um, but the bands that I listened to and the bands that I loved were people who pushed the envelope of stuff. Um, I'm going to get real nerdy and fucking esoteric here. And I'm real sorry about that. But shit like um, the composer, John Cage, who would open up his piano and shove nuts and bolts and screwdrivers in the strings of that piano and then compose a piece or um, um there's a this band called um, this is getting real deep now. This band called Voice, Voice Crack, and they would take like reel to reels or like household objects like vacuums or whatever, and and push them and and make new things. Or like people who did circuit bending, where they're taking like a speaking spell, they're opening it up, they're taking that circuit board and running wires on it to see what other sounds they could make it and produce out of it. And that's shit I spent 20 years trying to figure out and and push my music and do weird things, and it never worked out. Like. And there's a SoundCloud. I'll send you the link. You can listen to some stuff. It's fine. It's nothing amazing. But when I touched resin for the first time, one, resin made sense to me, right? Like mm -hmm. suddenly I have this thing in front of me that I'm doing and I can see Leia and I know I fucked it up, but I know exactly what I did wrong. And as I start playing with it, like the resin makes sense to me. What it's doing makes sense to me. 
And then I start thinking of that mold in terms of these musicians who would crack open something and, and play with it and do different things with it. And so I'm looking at the molds and the figures and saying, what else can I do with this? Yeah. And, it, you know, it's it's not just about like dripping stuff on it, but then it's about creating shapes in there. It's about what else can I add to this? How can I make this weirder and differently? What can I put in the mold? Um, how can I crack that open and do something like that? Or why does it even have to be a full mold? Why can't I use half a mold? Why can't I, I take a mold and cut it up into 10 different pieces and then mm-hmm. use those to do something, right? Like that's, yeah, I'm just going off on a tangent now, but that's like where a lot of this comes from. So there is this kind of underlying philosophy that was built off weirdly music and now it works better for me in toys. Um, yeah, holy hell. I think... Um... Man, well, one, I need those SoundCloud things because that's how I promote <laughs> this episode. Um, but I think that that's you're describing this like tie to something that usually when we have a tie to something, it's like, oh, this I feel this about this. But you have this real feeling, like this physical mm-hmm. tie to resin, which is cool to see. And then also, like, like with the aesthetics of it, like, I mean, I also you know, in wanting to make music, I didn't have access to studios. So everything was analog four tracks. Everything was on a cassette. You have no idea how much I love that you send people cassettes because four track cassette players forever. But there's always that crackle, that fuzz of a cassette, right? And a cassette is never going to be perfect or a record is going to have pops and crackles. And when I look at my pieces and I get kind of down because they're a little bubbly or something, I think back and I think, no, like, that's an aesthetic part of the process for what I do. And I should love that the way I love a scratched record that skips every time it gets to a certain point on a song or, yeah. or the way cassette fuzz just lingers in the air under the sound. Which um, bummer parts of this. I may starting in the next year may stop doing that. I know, 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 I know. Well, here's why. Here's why. Um, people don't understand that technology degrades over time, like at an exponential rate over time. And so, um, it's getting harder and harder to find tapes that still work well. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I, uh, I, I still send them out. I, they're all over the world now, which is amazing. And I love it. And, and people will send me videos of them fucking listening to it I'm like that's, I mean, Spotify exists, but that's cool. Yeah. Um, And so I'm trying to figure out. So, uh, and I come to this because eBay is the way to get them. People will sell fully wrapped ones for like a hundred bucks. You can get 400 of them. Awesome. That's great. And I'll do that. The problem is, uh, okay, you know music and you know cassette tapes. Do you remember a brand of cassette? I think it's called Memorex. Oh, yeah. Okay. Memorex fucking sucks. <laughs> um, I say that. Wasn't, was Memorex the guy in the chair with the wind, like the, the sound from the amplifiers blowing him? So it's like a silhouette of him. I think I that's feel Memorex. like that's. Oh, that might be. Is it that? I feel like I've seen that on a VHS. Um, but anyway, so Memorex are these, uh, the, the tapes are like fun colors, like bright blue, mm-hmm. pink, and yellow. Um, all of those tapes that I have, cause I go, I burn through the 90 minute ones. Cause so many of these interviews are over an hour. And so, um, I have realized that all of them 
I, I have like a hundred of them. They're dead. I keep putting them in and they just don't function well. They won't record, yeah. uh, but every other brand works. And so people, it's just getting harder and harder to spend that money and judge. Cause have you seen the price of new cassette tapes? It's <laughs> unreal. Uh, so that's what I'm working with right now. So if people, I'm, I'll still send merch as a thank you and it'll still, um, like the merch packs that I took to designer con were in cassette cases. Nice. Yeah. So I still am working with that aesthetic, but but... also roll with it too. Like there is um, this guy, William Bazinski, and he became famous for these ambient recordings he put out a few years ago. And they are old reel to reel recordings of ambient music he made that aged to a point where the, the, the tape was flaking off. So he put them on a reel and just recorded it for like, so it's like one of them is like 45 minutes of the same like 20 second loop. But as you're listening to it, it's decaying in front of like in, in your ears as these tape links are coming off. So just roll with it. Just use the tapes that you got. They sound like shit. They're cassettes. That's, that's technology. You know what they, I mean, li- yeah. Sorry, listen, I mean, this is literally ties into something I was talking about with somebody else about branding and moving forward is that, you know, like look at Twitter right now, like what is happening with Twitter? Yeah. There is a sense of decay around that or or Instagram. I mean, there's a lot of complaints about what like Instagram and where Instagram is going and how it works for us. It's almost a sense of decay with Instagram. Like it's not just old technology, new technology in its own way decays too. Yeah. And it's, um, and maybe it, it does this funky thing, which I remember them doing it when I was a kid too. Um, it'll, so I can hit record and I'm recording off my computer and it'll record at normal speed and then all of a sudden out of nowhere the tape will slow down exponentially (laughs) so then when i you listen to it back it's in this like chipmunk voice it's like motherfucker like it just i love it i Uh, love it i want that to be my tape (laughs) (laughs) for you for this episode it will be that tape i promise you uh but that's so that's where i'm what i'm working with especially like um, I don't know. Have you ever heard of Ragnar Last Bastion Studios? I believe so. I've yeah, they've been on the Ooh. podcast. Yeah, mm-hmm. longest episode I've had two hours. Um, a little bit over two hours, and I love because it was just fun to talk to them. Um, but if I remember correctly, I think it broke down into four tapes because I <laughs> ran out of big tapes, and so that's the kind of all that to say. You this this the people this year are might be the last people getting tapes unless I figure out a better solution. Um, but so with all that, um, and and where you're headed, do you foresee as we go back into this conversation, your art style ever changing? I'm, I'm always sure. Well, yeah, I'm interested I mean, in that because you have a style definitely. Yeah. So my my interest is: Do you plan on trying to stay with that, or do you think that that's going to alter? I mean, I think there's still places to push it. I think yeah. there's still things I'm learning. There's still things I'm figuring out. So, you know, um, there is a piece in my head. I'm not going to give much away about it, but thinking about like, you know, the pieces where I'm dripping on it, like, can I push that more and even create that to not necessarily be an addition or a part of the piece, but the whole piece in a way, mm-hmm. like, I think there's plenty of space to continue pushing. I mean, I, you know, part of the thing with have struggling to revisit things is there's so many fucking ideas 
And everywhere I turn, I'm just seeing something else. I mean, I have this notebook that I carry around or the notes on my phone are just full of shit that I haven't even tried. Um, you know, the a few months ago, Bjork was going to have a record out and I was looking at pictures of Bjork and I'm like, fuck, look at all the inspiration and the outfits she wears. And I immediately went to the library and came home with like four books of fashion. When was the last time you looked at a fucking fashion book? Like, dude, there's so much to, to pull from and, yeah. and use in that. I mean, so I bought a bunch of fabric. I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do with it. Um, but I think there's there's plenty of places to push at where I am. And so it'll, you know, it'll keep moving forward, but it's still going to be vomit all over the place. Yeah. Which I, Hey, I'm into it. Um, last part of this podcast, always favorite. Cause it's about the artist as a whole and how we get to you. Um, you're a little bit more interesting of a case cause you don't use Instagram as much as some of us. Um, but you do drops and you're quick to respond. Thank God. Um, so last part, please plug everything that you would like to plug how we can reach you if you've got a secret podcast somewhere please tell us about it uh it's it's just instagram and i you know i um i'll respond to you um i will say uh for people who have you know seen my stuff and always wanted one send me a message patience has its virtues um you never know when a dm will hit you from there um but yeah it's literally just instagram for now where it goes from there i don't know i, I keep telling people yeah. maybe a website but i make like and sell what 15 20 pieces a year so who knows i'm hey i know a lot of artists that do that and it's the website is worth it for that <laughs> do you, uh, and hey maybe you'll get on twitter and pay for that blue check mark i'd follow that you know somebody uh <laughs> Theon said that he was going to start a uh, newsletter. I think that's a really cool idea. Yeah. Um, I think there, I think there's ways to push those things into being something interesting that becomes part of the art. So who knows? But for now, it's just Instagram. Yeah. Hey, thank you so much for coming on Toys Untapped and talking my ear off. I love yeah, every sure. bit of it. Oh, thanks for having me on. It's been fun. Yeah.